Welcome back to another episode of Remnant Stew. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm Leah. It's May, and that means Mother's Day is coming up. Today we have stories about all kinds of moms, and hopefully it will inspire you to a higher appreciation of your own mom. If you have an appetite for the strange and bizarre, then pull up a chair and grab a spoon for another intriguing serving of Remnant Stew. Remnant Stew is gluten-free, organic, made from all natural, free-range ingredients and guaranteed to provide the recommended daily serving of curiosity. Well, looking at the calendar coming up, uh, Leah, the, this, this Saturday, May 1st, is May Day, but uh-huh. it's also Free Comic Book Day. Okay, so that's interesting. Isn't that nice? Yeah. But tell Two me what May Day one. is. I'm well, not sure what May Day is. Well, May Day marks the halfway point between the first day of spring and the summer solstice. May Day dates back to the days of the Romans and involved many pagan rituals and ancient customs, which were slowly phased out with the arrival of Christianity. But more recently, May Day commemorates the struggle for fair labor practices. Okay. And the then, only thing I could think about about May Day that I knew about May Day was like the Maypole. Right, the Maypole. You know? uh, I think that was that was one of the older rituals. Right. Um, I think more recently, uh, I know it was a big deal in the old Soviet Union because they were supposedly all about the workers' rights and all that, or, or the worker, you know. And uh, so... Um, kind of has come to commemorate the struggle for labor, uh, fair labor practices. But let's put in Free Comic Book Day. Okay, yeah, that, that's, that, that, I that didn't wins. know about that one. Yeah. This is an event organized by the North America Comic Book Industry. It celebrates the day by giving out free comic books as a way to invite new readers into the field. Okay, so go claim your free comic Get book. Your free find comic find book. your independent bookshop. Now, yeah. somehow, I'm, <laughs> right, I'm remembering a, a SpongeBob episode that my kids oh, were no. watching, and uh, they they stole a balloon, but it turned out to be Free Balloon Day, and they were all worried about how they'd stolen it and it popped, and they couldn't pay for it. So <laughs> you can go steal a cartoon, a comic book on Free Comic Book Day, Don't but it's actually it. Free Comic Book Day. Talk, talk to your independent bookstore first. Now this is a good one. Uh, May second is. World Laughter Day. I can, I, can, <laughs> I can get behind that one. Right. right. But on top of that, it's also World Tuna Day. Not so much that one. Okay. It, who, yeah, who decides this? <laughs> who was behind that? That's interesting. I don't know, but I think the two, two go together. You know, I, Probably. A, 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 while, a while ago in Texas, there was a somebody that had a, a play called Greater Tuna. It was about oh, it, was, it was a comedy about a small town in Texas. So I can see how the oh, okay. two would go together. I quite saw well. I saw Greater Tuna, Red, White, and Tuna. I loved <laughs> the whole the all of those plays. They were awesome. So you see, World Tuna Day and World Laughter Day is a natural combination yeah. right there. Now May 9th, This is a really you know, serious and seriously important day. It's Military Spouse Appreciation Day. Oh, amen to that. Yeah, for sure. This honors and emphasizes the importance of the spouses to the military. The observance wishes to spread that family support is fundamental for the success of the military. The spouses and families are silent heroes. On Military Spouse Appreciation Day, the Armed Forces organize events to honor and recognize military spouses. In 1984, President Ronald Reagan proclaimed the Friday before Mother's Day to be Military Spouse Appreciation Day. Such an important day. That, they are, they really, really are is. these silent heroes of, of uh, the people that go overseas and are, that are involved in military elsewhere, the ones that stay home and hold 
the family together and continue Hold down the fort. Home. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <At all. laughs> so happy uh, Military Spouse Appreciation Day to all of you military spouses. Right. And, of course, coming up May 11th is Mother's, Mother's Day. Mother's Day. So do you – okay, so tell me about your mom. Any, oh, my any mom, stories? I'm sure there are. <laughs> my mom was a force to be reckoned with. She passed away about uh, 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Uh, but I eulogized her at her funeral, and I said she was a force to be reckoned with. I tell people around me uh, that I that I work with today, I said, you never met my mom, but you benefit from her every day. <laughs> 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 um, she, uh, one of the things, stories I like to tell is that she was, uh, through all my growing up here, she worked at the county clerk's office in my hometown of Kerrville, Texas, the Kerr County Court, uh, Courthouse. And one year, 1973, I heard her one night calling all the other ladies in the office and the call went like this <clears throat> lois uh, this is jerry i'm going to wear my pantsuit tomorrow i just wanted to let you know and uh, she led the pantsuit rebellion at the courthouse <laughs> up until that time the women all had to wear dresses and that day they showed up wearing pantsuits and so from that point on dresses were optional <laughs> power to the <laughs> people attire. and so yeah uh, I don't know if she had appreciated me telling that story at her funeral, but uh, I think it indicates a lot of who she was. So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, okay, so the history of Mother's Day is, it's really interesting. Anne Reeves Jarvis was an activist during the Civil War era. Jarvis, who lived in Virginia, had somewhere between, get this, 11 and 13 children over the space of about 17 years. And I guess, I guess they don't know for sure exactly how many kids they had. Because only four of those kids survived to be adults. Mm. Uh, sadly, that wasn't all that unusual for the, the Appa- right. Appalachian families at that time. And so Jarvis, pregnant with her sixth child, was inspired to help women learn to combat the childhood diseases and unsanitary conditions that led to infant oh, death okay. at that time. She created, okay, and this is totally different from Mother's Day. She created Mother's Day work clubs in surrounding communities as well as in both Union and Confederate encampments. Mm. This spurred a growing uh, public health movement in the United States. Later, after the war had ended, Jarvis attempted, she was very socially conscious, she uh, attempted to establish a Mother's Friendship Day, and that was to reunite families that had been divided during the Civil War. Wow, that's good. Right? Uh, There were several local observances, but Jarvis passed away before it gained the national attention she was really hoping for. Well, according to History.com, the official Mother's Day holiday arose in the 1900s as a result of the efforts of Anna Jarvis, daughter of Anne Reeves Jarvis, who continued her mother's efforts. Anna Jarvis conceived of Mother's Day as a way of honoring the the sacrifices mothers made for their children. So after gaining Uh financial backing from a Philadelphia department store owner, in May 1908, she organized the first official Mother's Day celebration at a Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia. So the, right. the idea slowly took off with more and more cities adopting the annual celebration until 1914. Woodrow Wilson mm-hmm. uh, signed, a me- signed a measure officially establishing the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. So it took nice. four years, and then it became an official day. It yeah, re- she really was pushing it. And her mom well, had really, I mean, sucks, it, but hey, it kind of, yeah. yeah, it all kind of snowballed into one thing of, of just that's really pushing momentum, moms. it seemed like. Yeah, that's a lot um, And so that's how Anna Jarvis, a woman who never had any children, established Mother's Day as a national holiday. But 
uh, by her death in 1948, Anna Jarvis had disowned the holiday. (laughs) (laughs) And had actually, she spent a lot of energy and money trying to convince the government to remove the holiday from the calendar. And she she did all those to try to get it on the calendar and then wanted to get it off? Well, she became very disillusioned and disgusted at the commercialism and actively urged people to stop buying Mother's Day flowers, cards, and candies. Wow. Which is, and I don't know what the tipping point was because she had worked with uh, florists trying to to get them to to promote her idea of Mother's Day. And then I guess it just got out of hand. thought it was too much then somehow. But here's a little bit of trivia, Mother's Day trivia. Uh More phone calls are made on Mother's Day than any other day of the year. Phone traffic has been observed to spike by as much as 37%. So this is your official reminder. Call your mom. Call your mom. Absolutely. I appreciate them if you have them. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, now let's look at uh, some Mother's Day observances from other countries around the world. This comes to uh, to us from an article from KSAT.com, which I believe is a television station in San Antonio. Um, It details unusual Mother's Day traditions around the world. Carved flowers and restaurants aren't enough to celebrate mom in these countries. For example, in Mexico, there is a special Mother's Day song. All across the country, mothers are awakened by their children singing a song called Las Mananitas. Here are the words of Las Mananitas in English, but I think we're losing something in the translation. But uh, it goes like this. These are little mornings that King David used to sing. And on the day of your saint, we sing them to you. Wake up, my dear, wake up. Look, it's already dawning. The little birds are already singing. The moon has gone away. Well, it's a nice little song, but I'm not quite sure Happy Mother's Day (laughs) (laughs) makes that translation. But in Mexico, it's a very meaningful way for children to wake up their mothers. In Sweden, during the days before Mother's Day, children walk around their neighborhoods and they sell little plastic flowers. The flowers are provided by the Red Cross. Uh, The money that's raised from these sales is used to send their mothers on little mini vacations. Oh, I like that. We need to adopt that one. Moms need a little day off, don't they? In Japan, I like this one, children draw pictures of their mothers. These pictures are displayed in local supermarkets and in convenience stores in the neighborhood. Now, most of them are sweet childhood drawings, but sometimes a joker gets thrown into the deck as obviously older artists mix in pictures of historical figures like Mother Teresa or mythical creatures or large-eyed anime characters. Um, But in Japan, they see it all as part of the fun of mother's day and we have some of these pictures yeah those pictures are pretty cute i think in serbia now this is a good one there is a strong emphasis on the importance of unity and sharing in family life for three straight sundays in december they celebrate children's day mother's day and father's day these sundays include the two weeks before christmas and the one after and they do have a religious significance. The twofold purpose of these holidays are to are remembering and, quote, tying. Yeah, this is really interesting. And it's like they try to cram as much into December <laughs> as they possibly can. But, but this remembering and tying, tell us about that. Well, That's on Children's fun. Day, the parents sneak into their children's rooms and tie them up. Sounds like a good start to the holidays, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, I do that more often than... <laughs> yeah. With all the boys you d- d- raise. Just yeah. duct tape count? No, I'm right. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. They won't uh, release them until the children promise to behave. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. This I is like going it. well so far. All right. How do I really know you mean it? 
However, the following week, the children sneak into their mother's room and tie her uh, up. This is no. no. <laughs> Downhill now. Uh, they won't release her until she agrees to give them some kind of gift. I gave you life. Yeah, you <laughs> and then the following week, it's Dad's world. turn. Now, this good-natured fund is supposed to tie the family together and also to remind them of the Christ child, the Mother Mary, and Father God. Right, right there around Christmas time. Exactly I like right. that. Okay. And speaking of speaking of the Mother Mary, you know, I I think it's kind of interesting as we're talking about mothers that uh, the, the account in, of Jesus's first miracle at the wedding oh, yeah. was done at his mother's insistence. <laughs> insistence. Yes, he said it's not my time yet, and she said do whatever he says. So yeah. even Jesus uh, was influenced by his mother. Ugh, She's mother like, knows best. That's right. That's right. It's your time when I say it's your right, time. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Now, those are some unusual Mother's Day traditions, but now how about some unusual mothers? From a YouTube video called The Ten Oddest Mothers, which was a place from a group called WatchMojo.com, have you ever heard of Elizabeth Ann Buttle? I'm sorry, let me, write, let me say that name again. <laughs> Elizabeth Ann Buttle. She's the mother with the biggest gap between births. Okay. At age 19, Mrs. Buttle gave birth to her first child, a daughter, Belinda, on May 19, 1955. However, she didn't give birth to her second child, a boy named Joseph, until 42 years later on oh. November 20th, 1997, when she was 61 at the time. So oh, wow. she had a baby when she was 19, didn't have another one until she was 61. <laughs> that, that, I don't know how you take care of a kid, a baby at that age. Yes. That, well, you need night, a lot of energy. The one who was born when she was 19? Yeah. She took care of it. Yeah. She has ownership now. She, I mean, there are great grandmothers that are 61, and yet she was a, a mother at 61. Oh. Well, now, even at 61, you might think, yeah, that's tough to take, take care of. But she's not the oldest mother that we have. Um, you may have heard of uh, Rajo Lohan. She is the world's oldest mother. She's from India. She gave birth to her daughter, Naveen, at the age of 70. We've got their picture, I think, also. Yes, we do. She says that she hopes to live long enough to see her daughter get married. So well, the that, oldest that, mother at age 70. My daughter needs to hurry it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Mrs. Fedor Vasilev, the world's most prolific mother. In the 40 years between 1725 and 1765, this Russian woman is purported to have given birth to, count them, 69 oh. children. This included that 16. That seems so impossible. <laughs> I mean, is that mathematically even correct? Well, here's how it worked out. <laughs> 16 sets of twins, oh. seven sets of triplets, oh. four sets of quadruplets. And all of them, except for two, were born healthy and lived beyond childhood. So she that's, actually had 67 children yeah. grow up. But according to Ms. Vasilev, do I get so much as a call on Mother's Day? Yet. Yeah, you made that up. <laughs> and now for something completely off topic and off kilter. Brace yourself for the oddity du jour. Well, now for our oddity today. This is one I really like. This comes from a book review in the New York Times about a book called Entangled Life. How fun guy make our world change our minds, and shape our futures by Merlin Sheldrake. Oh, wow. I bet he's fun at parties. Just with a name like Merlin, <laughs> for sure. Now, the writer of this review, Jennifer, her name is Jennifer Z-A-L-A-I, Zali, 
She begins by starting that, uh, stating that most authors celebrate the completion of a new book by throwing a party or having a fancy dinner. Mr. Sheldrake, however, celebrated by dampening a copy of the book, seeding it with spores, letting uh, <laughs> letting mushroom oyster uh, oy- I'm sorry, letting oyster mushrooms uh, sprout, and then he ate the uh, mushrooms from the book. Uh, oh wow! Okay, but that's not all. Okay, he took another copy of the book, tore up its pages to release their sugars, then he fermented their solution into beer, which he then consumed. So had a little mushroom and beer grown from the books that he had actually. Uh, written. So, well, he's all into fun guy, you see. Uh, Mr. Sheldrake <laughs> is an enthusiastic, I made up this word, but I couldn't think of a better one, fungophile. I, I think that works. I think so, too. Yeah, I'll take that because I was going to be the next comment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he believes that the rest of us humans pay too little attention to the amazing world of fungus. He states that fungus are everywhere and they are always doing things. That's a little bit frightening, isn't it? He claims that in Oregon, you can find the world's largest fungal network, or mycelium, that's what they're called, or uh, the nickname is the Wood Wide Web, which covers uh, more than four square miles and is thousands of years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is a quote from Mr. Sheldrake. Our blindness can make us miss out on some extraordinary phenomena. Fungi can distribute nutrients and even information across plants. For instance, a plant subject to an aphid attack emits a, quote, chemical shriek that can be heard by other plants in the fungal network, allowing the linked plants to prepare themselves by emitting a chemical that will summon wasps, which will then eat the aphids. Even even if the cinder plant gains little or nothing by alerting its plant neighbors after the aphids arrive, the fungal network benefits by keeping the healthy plants alive. That That is very interesting. That's a very interesting concept. Really? So, the, so the plants are communicating with each other through the fungus. And so one gets attacked, sends out a signal. The other one take defensive action to call wasps to eat the aphids. That's well, and I think I think that, that he's... And, and don't quote me on this because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But that fungus, since when has that stopped us? But go ahead. <laughs> right. Uh, I, you know how? Okay, so you know there's grass or whatever, and they say that when you cut grass, that smell, uh-huh. that wonderful smell, is actually uh, them screaming. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but and, and they're so close to each other. But like fungus is connected under the ground, right. and Through yeah, like it's a bit yeah. System. So it's like this big like one fungus from over there can talk to this one and communicate maybe not and the, talk, and the plants can it? even communicate through the fungus somehow, right so, right so. and so that's that's the makes article, hiking through the woods so a they're the postal system yeah, yeah, yeah. well like yeah. they said what it, where was it the, <laughs> the wood, wood wide, wide web, web. <laughs> at, least it's the, yeah, at least they kept it that not you know it's the fungal network oh fungal my goodness network, yeah, for sure. um, the article continues saying that researchers are finding new ways to put fungi to all kinds of uses well, it's about high time somebody did, don't you think? They right. even uh, help us clean up the planet. Fungi can be trained to eat cigarette butts, use diapers, oil spills, and even radiation. Now, fungi Wait. eating radiation is a little bit of a frightening thought, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but, you know, if they can do it, let's... They can you, take out a gotta... diaper. <laughs> I mean, so why not radiation? I mean, right. Serious. <laughs> a budding field of mycofabrication... Let's think that word, M-Y-C-O-F-A-B-R-I-C-A-T-I-O-N, which means basically making things out of fungus, has Uh, developed imitation leathers and building materials out of fungi. Sheldrake even invented a factory that turns fungal networks into into furniture. 
footstools instead of toadstools as their as oh, their Oh, I logo. need to see that. Yeah, for sure. Can you still request a toadstool? Uh, I suppose oh. so. <laughs> Sheldrake says that paying attention to fungi can transform our fundamental understanding of the world. Here's his quote. If I think about mycelial growth for more than a minute, my mind starts to stretch. I so think there his, you go. his mind is pretty stretched, yeah. <laughs> very A guy very passionate about fungi. For sure. Okay, so you have some time still left to buy your mother a Mother's Day gift, and we're here to help. That's so right. So here's some unusual gifts. Uh, for the mother that has everything and is hard to shop for, here we go. Uh, the folks over at dodobird.com. Dodobird. It's, but it's D-O-D-O-B-U-R-D.com. That's right. They've come up with a list, list of odd gifts for that odd mom in your life. <laughs> and I like some of these. So what does that right. say about me? Well. Uh, okay, so how about a burrito blanket along with a pair of burrito socks? Because this is a blanket for you that looks like a burrito or a blanket to put on your burrito. Well, the website's description, <laughs> but to keep it warm. <laughs> <laughs> or contents inside. <laughs> okay. My burritos don't last long enough to get cold. So, But anyway, <laughs> this is a, a blanket for your mom. Super okay. soft, snuggly, and warm. This blanket will put a smile on just about any mom's face. And wait a minute. Burrito socks? Are you thinking... <laughs> <laughs> the little socks for your burrito. No, this is socks for your mom, too. If okay. your mom loves movie marathons and Mexican food, well, this is the blanket for her, thanks to its brilliantly clever burrito design. <laughs> Once she's wrapped up, she will look as delicious as she does comfortable. <laughs> what does it have? Lettuce sticking out the side? Uh, <laughs> Maybe some guacamole? Actually, I think yeah. Don't we have a picture of that one? I think, yeah, we do. And so the blanket is uh, $39, and of course, we don't guarantee these prices, you know, so <laughs> Socks are fifteen fifty. According to their website. Uh, the next one is, uh, so if your mom loves to cook and spend time in the kitchen, well then what about a pair of bare paw oven mitts? Oh, there you go. According to the description from Fred and Friends, these hilariously funny oven mitts are just perfect for making someone laugh. We'll be the judge of that, but go M- ahead. <laughs> made using heat-resistant silicone, the mit- mitts themselves are perfect for holding hot plates and dishes, and the best part, they look just like bear claws. Now, you know, my school, their nickname, our mascot, is the bears, so I know I know some bear mothers around that would uh, that might enjoy some hey. of those. Hey. So get your grizzly on. <laughs> And that, you can have those for $19.87. $19.87. Okay, so how about brightening up mom's living room with a set of personalized photo coasters? Whether you're still living at home or whether you're off on your own, leave your mark on her table with these photo coasters. Choose which pictures you'd like to have made into the coasters, and you can even add your own lovely captions. Sure to have her smiling every time she sets her teacup down on your face. (laughs) (laughs) The coaster. That's, that's one of the that's one of the things you know when you when you've gotten older is when you uh, you have things nice enough that you actually need coasters. You know, <laughs> all of our years of raising children, we didn't have anything that nice that we cared about. But, uh, but if you're out of the house and she yeah. now has nice things, nice things, <laughs> right? Okay, so how about a pair of long distance friendship lamps? So if you live in a different state from your mom or in a different city. Uh, you might want to feel close to each other without actually having to be close to each other. <laughs> Sometimes it works better that way, doesn't it? 
<laughs> well, this pair of matching lamps is for you. The way they work is these lamps are somehow synced to one another through a Wi-Fi signal. When you touch your lamp to turn it on, your mother's lamp will turn on, too. Oh, when it goes on, oh. she knows you're, you're thinking of her. And, nice. and need money. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's different styles, and the prices vary. <laughs> okay, so this one I can really get behind. I, I, wait, I can't pay my oh. rent, Mom, because I bought this lamp for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2 a.m., and I just turned my lamp on. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, let's say you have a mom that really likes to, <laughs> to sling back the vino. Uh, <laughs> we might consider the Wine Cork Country Map, $35. The Wine Cork Country, Country Map. Country Map. Yeah, okay. Okay, so again, according to their description, this awesome gift is, the, is only the start of an ongoing exciting project. <laughs> this fun piece of wood is shaped just like the United States of America and features cork-shaped holes that allow the recipient to display corks from the places in which they drank the wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's California. Oh, here's Arizona. <laughs> By the end, they will have a wonderful art piece and an astonishing hangover. <laughs> And wonderful art pieces, it, that's subjective. Yeah. So. It's a map of the United States with a bunch of corks in it is what it is. Ooh, conversation piece there. Oh, but it could be used as a trivet, too. How, how, how long did it take you? A couple months. A couple months. That was a heck of a road trip. Well, now let's talk about some warrior moms. Well, you might not have heard that term before, but I think it applies to some of these. Um from, uh, from LiveScience.com, there's an article called 12 Warrior Moms. We're not touching all of them, but we gleaned the following information. You think your mother was tough. Well, <laughs> you remember King Philip II of Macedonia? He uh, conquered much of the Mediterranean, and he married a woman named Olympias, O-L-Y-M-P-I-A-S, and she bore him a son who was Alexander the Great. Alexander right. became one of the most successful military commanders in history, as he conquered areas stretching from the Mediterranean to the Himalayas. He probably got a lot of his grit from his mother. You see, when King Philip spurned her for another woman, Olympias plotted her revenge. She organized the murder of Philip and the other woman, as well as her child. This secured her son, Alexander, as the rightful heir to the throne. Oh, you go, girl, right? Yeah. (laughs) Tough mother right there. (laughs) Or how about the true story of Empress Wu Zhao? In nearly 4,000 years of Chinese dynasties, Wu Zhao was the only woman empress. She began as a young woman concubine to the emperor Taizong. When he died, she latched on to his son, Gaizong, as a higher-ranking concubine, bearing him two sons. As Gaizong's health began to fail, Wu Zhao displaced his childless wife, some claim that she even killed the emperor's wife, and became empress dowager placing her sons in line to the throne. When Gaizong died in 690 AD, Wu Zhao consolidated power, arranged for the murder of several rivals, and ascended to the throne as the only empress of China. She reigned as empress until she was 82 when she relinquished the throne to her son. Wow. Wu Zhao, the she only... She was tough. Oh, yeah, she was pretty tough. Now, you may be a bit more familiar with Queen Isabella, the unifier of Spain. Um, most of us know Isabella as the queen who financed Columbus's voyage to the New World. Right. But there's a more, more to learn about this mother of six. Isabella was a driving force in unifying Spain. She straightened up her inherited kingdom of Castile, uh, instituting criminal reforms and bringing down the debt left to her by her brother, the previous ruler. 
but she was rather ruthless in her efforts to unify Spain. One of her edicts was that everyone was forced to become Catholic. Jews and Muslims had to either convert or flee. In 1480, Isabella, with her husband Ferdinand, launched the Spanish Inquisition in order to force compliance with her orders. So she was a pretty tough ruler herself. We hear more about Ferdinand, but uh, Isabella was uh, definitely formidable in her own right. And ruthless. I mean, all all of these these warrior right. moms are warrior ruthless. moms. They they earn that moniker well. Uh, now, being the mother of a king is nice and all, but how about being the mother of three kings? How does that happen? <clears throat> uh, we get some information here from Britannica.com as well. Um, we're talking about Catherine de Medici. However, she didn't get off to a very great start. Born in Italy. She was married off by her uncle, Pope Clement the Second. I'm sorry, Pope Clement the Seventh, to a French prince who was in love with another woman. That's kind of a bum go out the gate, isn't it? Right. She lived a precarious existence for a number of years and was generally overlooked by the French court. But when her husband became King Henry the Second, her oldest son Francis became heir to the throne. When King Henry died suddenly, Francis, age 15, ascended to the throne. However, he died just a year later. And the throne fell to Catherine's 10-year-old son, Charles. A lot of kings dying all of a sudden there. Right. It sounds suspicious. This gave Catherine the role of regent, which means she ruled in her young son's place until he became of age. Right. She ruled in his place from 1560 to 1570 when Charles came of age. This was during a time of multiple civil wars in France, and numerous factions were attempting to break away. She managed to quell these disruptions with a combination of force and diplomacy. That sounds like motherhood, doesn't it? Absolutely, <laughs> yes. When Charles came to power, he proved to be an inept ruler, however. As in 1572, he ordered the gates of Paris closed and all non-Catholics murdered. That's Ouch. Not, that's not going to do well on your Chamber of Commerce uh, tourism. <laughs> you know. The St. Bartholomew's Day uh, Massacre, as it came to be called, threatened to bring down the mono- monarchy. After weathering that storm, Charles died suddenly in 1574, making way for Catherine's third son, Henry, to become king. For the next 15 years, until her death in 1589, Catherine was one of Henry's most trusted advisors. My goodness. So, yeah, her husband and then two of her three sons all died suddenly, and you wonder if she might have had a hand in some of that, too. Uh, yeah, that's intriguing. <laughs> And then there is Maria Theresa, the enlightened despot of Austria. When she first hit the scene, she also didn't make much of a splash. She married her first cousin, Francis Stephen, in a marriage arranged by her father, King Charles V, in order to consolidate power. That's what the European monarchs used to do back in the day, consolidate their power by marrying off their kids to one another. And that's, yeah, that's where they get blue blood, right? right? <laughs> Upon her father's death in 1740, she inherited an Austria that was broke, and under attack by other European sovereigns. Pregnant, as she would almost constantly be over the next 20 years, because she had 16 children, Maria Theresa fought back. She held on to, to the Austrian Empire, and during her 40-year reign would institute reforms in medicine, education, and criminal justice. She also reorganized Austria's military and helped it become one of the strongest in Europe. So there are some warrior moms to consider when you think your mom is tough. Well... Consider these. Well, I really liked her. I really <laughs> liked her. Now for today's bookshop spot, the part of the show where we take you on a virtual tour of one of the most magical of places, an independent bookshop. 
Okay, so today's bookshop spot is the Auto Bookstore. That's O-T-T-O. Auto, O-T-T-O, Auto oh, Bookstore. That's right. Uh, so not like a car, but I thought it was auto. A-U-T-O. Okay, O-T-T-O. All right. It's located at 107 West 4th Street in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Williamsport. That's famous for being the home of the Little League World Series, right in the middle of the state. Uh, if you say so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this bookstore is the oldest independently owned bookstore in the United States. Oh, wow. Along with really? books, they offer uh, stuffed animals, puppets, some games, and along with the occasional book signing. The store is also pet friendly, which is a huge a point plus. in my book. Right. Okay. They have an online store at their website, www.auto, again, O-T-T-O, bookstore.com, and you can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Current owner Betsy Ryder knew that the store had been around a long time, and the phrase since 1877 had been used in advertisements. Really? For the bookshop, but a few different customers kept bringing in old receipts and newspaper clippings that predated that. Really? 1877. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and it's funny because even one receipt, and I could see this happening to me, one receipt was found under some old linoleum that was being pulled up <laughs> <laughs> in a renovation. Oops. So, there. so Betsy's son, Peter, did some investigating, uh, pulling some business records of splits and mergers and finally traced the store's founding all the way back to 1841. Wow. 1841. So this is 2021. That's 180 years, basically. Right. So here's the thing. So when asked if since 1841 will now replace since 1877 and all the ads, Betty said, well, looks as if. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it makes each anniversary more expensive because what they do is they give away a $100 gift certificate plus an autographed book for each year over 100 Oh, I see. So, but it, she nice. says it makes more fun, too, as the many winners come in to choose their prize. Nice. So, the Auto Bookstore. Look them up. Oh, yeah. Great. That's I'm awesome. looking at their logo right now. It says 1841 right on their logo. Oh, so nice. they, they got after it. Yes, they, they did. It. There you <laughs> go. Okay, so maybe being a warrior mom isn't quite what you're looking for. Maybe you will draw some inspiration from these inspiring moms. From uh, an article in littlethings.com comes uh, 12 of the most inspiring moms. Again, we're not going to hit all of them, but we'll hit a few. Alberta Williams. She was born in 1904 and the only surviving child of her parents who were church pastors. She grew up and married Martin Luther King Sr. and gave birth to Martin Luther King Jr. MLK was not shy about praising his mother. In a letter written while he was in college in 1947, he wrote, I often tell the boys around the campus I have lo- have the best mother in the world. You will never know how much I appreciate the many kind things you and Daddy are doing for me. So far, I've gotten all the money, $5 a week, that she was sending me. <laughs> <laughs> um, then there's Marie Curie. Now, we, we, uh, we featured Madame Curie on our, um, our Pranksters uh, that's right. Remember, that's she right. Was, she She's... actually had uh, gone into a friend's house and nailed their shoes and furniture to, to, the, uh, to the ceiling. ceiling. Right. <laughs> uh, so She's she known for a lot of things. Quite a woman. <laughs> um, she was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize for her scientific work. Uh, you may not know that she was also a terrific mom. She gave birth to daughters Irene in 1897 and Eve in 1904. Irene followed her mother into scientific work as a chemist, like her mother. And she also died of radiation exposure, like her mother. Oh, and that's a tough, that's a tough death. 
Eve became a journalist and most notably published her mother's biography. Marie Curie never married uh, again after her husband and scientific uh, partner, Pierre, was killed in a street accident in 1908, which means that she raised her daughters as a single mother. Wow, that is an inspiration. To be able to do all that she did and raising two daughters who uh, grew up to go on to some fame of their own. Abigail Adams, born in 1744, was the mother of five and a strong advocate for women. In letters to her husband, John Adams, during the Constitutional Convention, she would continually remind him to, quote, remember the ladies. She firmly believed that girls should be afforded the same educational opportunities as boys. She, along with Barbara Bush, are the only two women to have been the wife of one president and the mother of another one. Cool. And I like that. Remember the ladies. Remember the ladies. Now, you might have heard the name Josephine Baker. Uh, She was an African-American slash French singer, dancer, and entertainer during the 1920s and 30s. And was part of the also part of the French Resistance during World War II. She, I believe, was born in uh, in America, but also had ties in French and actually went there okay. uh, during during the war to be a part of the Resistance. Uh, she was also a terrific mother, adopting twelve children from around the world. She lovingly referred to them as her Rainbow Tribe. She Me. wanted to demonstrate that people with different skin colors could live harmoniously together. Amen. To oh, that. good yes. job, Josephine Baker. Now, you might not be familiar with the name Dana Suskind, but she's best known for starting up the pediatric cochlear implant program at the University of Chicago. This program has made a profound difference in the lives of thousands of children who were born without the ability to hear. But she's also the mother of a household of smart young minds who are also wanting to impact the world. You see, her husband Donald died heroically after he had tried to save two children from drowning in a strong current in Lake Michigan. The incident inspired her 13-year-old daughter to start a new program for other children who have lost their parents. It's called Surviving Life After Parent Death. So, Why did it go? Wow, what a family. And you might be familiar with the United States Senator from Illinois, Senator Tammy Duckworth. She's a decorated veteran who lost both of her legs when the Black Hawk uh, helicopter she was flying in Iraq was hit by sniper fire. After her military career ended, she became a first-time mom at the age of 46. Wow. She now has two children. Her experience of traveling with small children influenced her to sponsor the French, uh, I'm sorry, the Friendly Airports for Mothers Act, which makes it easier for traveling mothers to breastfeed their children. Way Good to go. Wow. Tammy. Okay, so we have we're going to finish out with a couple other stories of heroic moms, which you know, some of those women were heroic as For well. Sure. Uh, but the, our first one is Joy Varon, a 30-year-old Texas elementary school teacher. She, she was 30 years old when she was on vacation with her family in Colorado. She and her husband decided to take one last trip to the hot springs with their three kids before heading home. And she was also, uh, I think her parents were both right. on this vacation as well. So Chloe, then seven, Annie, five, and Elliot, two, were very excited to go for one last swim. They ran ahead of the adults and climbed into the family's SUV. Somehow in in them jumping into the car, the gear slipped, Hmm. and the vehicle began to roll straight to the edge of a cliff. It was in danger of rolling off the cliff into a deep canyon below. So with no time to do anything else, Joy ran after the SUV and threw herself in front of it, hoping to stop the vehicle. I just saw complete fear 
Joy later told Oprah, I remember their little eyes were so huge looking at me like, help me do something. So the SUV kept moving, dragging Joy beneath its tires. It ran completely over her, but it was slowed enough uh, so that Joy's father, the kid's grandfather, could jump inside and set the brake just in time to prevent it from going wow. over the cliff. Wow. Wow. Joy survived the ordeal, but was paralyzed from the waist down and was never able to oh, walk man. again. She did, however, return to teaching and remain very close to her children who see her as their hero. Wow, wow. what a story. That's amazing. Uh, the next one is Sarah McKinley. Life had gotten really tough for this mom. She was a very young mom. She was only 19 years old in late uh, 2011 when her husband died of lung cancer. I believe he was a lot older than her. Uh-huh. Uh, leaving her to care for their three-month-old son all alone. So she lived in a pretty secluded place in rural Oklahoma. And, and I saw some pictures and her driveway was very long. It was right. in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so there was nobody just knocking on the door. No close you know? neighbors. Yeah. Right. So Sarah was home on one New Year's Eve or on New Year's Eve of that year when she heard someone trying to break into her home. As the two would-be intruders were going from door to door trying to find a way in, Sarah grabbed her 12-gauge shotgun, went into her bedroom where her son was, and put a bottle in the baby's mouth. She then also grabbed a pistol and called 911. According to ABC News, I've got two guns in my hand. Is it okay to shoot him if he comes in this door? Sarah asked the 911 dispatcher. I'm here by myself with my infant baby. Can I please get a dispatcher out here immediately? The 911 operator confirmed with McKinley that the doors to her home were locked as she asked again if it was okay to shoot the intruder if he were to come through her door. I can't tell you that you can do that, but you do what you have to do to protect your baby, the dispatcher told her. McKinley was on the phone with 911 for a total of 21 minutes, all while the intruders tried to gain access. Wow. Finally, a long time. 21 minutes. 21 wow. minutes. Finally, Justin Martin. And Justin Martin is this guy, um, I can't remember how old he's, I think he was in his early 20s. He had actually not really stalked her, but had, uh-huh. had seen her, had talked to her, and actually had come by the day of her husband's funeral mm. to, to kind of like, let him Comfort let her know that he right. was in the neighborhood Hold and that on. he would help yes yeah. so uh justin martin was was the main guy and he had his cohort dustin stewart um justin was able to kick in the door of her home and they both came in martin came at sarah with a 12 inch hunting knife she shot and killed him mm-hmm. and then stewart fled the scene I dustin guess. stewart yeah. soon turned himself into police no charges were filed against sarah mckinley and you got to remember she's 19 years old at this time uh no charges were filed for protecting herself from her son dustin stewart and this i found was interesting was charged with murder for his role in the incident um i wouldn't have done it she said but it was my son mckinley told abc news it was not an easy decision to make but it was either going to be him or my son and it wasn't going to be my son there's nothing more dangerous than a woman with a child. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> happy Mother's Day to Sarah. <laughs> right? And now it's time, boys and girls, for the trivia challenge. All right. So, that brings us to our trivia challenge. Now, Harvin Gould yeah. <laughs> is our number one uh, fan, and he answers a lot of our trivia challenge questions. But this is a question that he came up with. Good luck, everybody else. Right. Every, yeah. Everybody else has a chance now. 
<laughs> so, uh, again, with mothers, in 2011, the 61-year-old mother did the impossible for her daughter, son-in-law, and grandson. What is her name, and what did she do? And you know how this goes. Uh, number one, you like and follow our Facebook page. Number two, share, like and share this episode, Hello Mother, that this episode post and put your answer to the trivia challenge question in the comments of that post and the first person to do all of that will be the winner and will be mentioned in in an upcoming episode of remnant stew never-ending accolades <laughs> remnant stew is created by me leah lamp dr Stephen meeker and i research write and host each episode judy meeker lends a hand with our research as well as handling our bookshop spot info our audio is produced by philip sinkfield Theme music is by Kevin McLeod with voiceover by Morgan Hughes. You can connect with us through our Facebook and Instagram or through our email at staycurious at remnantstew.com. Let us know of any topics you'd like to hear us cover or just say hi. We'd love to hear from you. We love hearing from Absolutely. you for sure. Now, before you go, please hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Please take the time to give us a review on iTunes. There's a convenient link on our website to, miss, uh, to make it easy for you. Share Remnants do with your mom, dad, brother, sister, and that one weird cousin that's kind of scary. Until the next time, please choose to be kind and, and always, always stay, stay curious. curious.